Today on the podcast, we are talking to one of my former managers, somebody I've wanted to get on this podcast since I first started it, Tony Pulis. He told us the truth about actually discovering Rory Delap could chuck that ball as far as he can, managing and moulding Adama Traore. The truth behind those Serge Nabry stories that everybody loves to talk about and the brutal 5.30am pre-season wake-ups in Austria. Up the podcast. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Tony, welcome to the Foscast, mate. Um, we have to start here. We have to. Um, it's been spoken about so many times. I've spoken about it. I love talking about it. Um, the mythical, magical pre-season tour. The Tony Pulis pre-season tour of Austria. Talk me through it. I used to love it, by the way. I, I, I was going to say, if, if you listen to a lot of the lads over the, the, the clubs that you know, I was lucky enough to take out there, most of them now, not the time, Ben, but most of them now just look back at it <laughs> yeah. with so much enjoyment and pleasure and great memories that, uh, yeah, makes me wonder, was I too soft with you? No, I, I, I've, I thought you had it absolutely bob on. At that moment in time, don't get me wrong, when you're getting that wake-up call at half past five, because this is how it used to work, by the way. So we used to do wake-up calls at 5.30, the phone would ring in your room. Yeah, the phone would ring. There's no escaping it, okay? You don't get to trust your alarm or anything. The phone's ringing in your room at half past five. You're downstairs for about six o'clock-ish, and then you're straight walking out to the hills, aren't you? On the bikes at six. Yeah. (laughs) We're leaving unless you were on the bikes, and then you'd get fined. Yeah, so we'd leave at um, six, cycle round, get a little bit of a warm-up, and then park the bikes at the bottom of the hill (laughs) on the running days. You never did running days. You just stayed on the bike. Um, And then, yeah, off we went, and afternoon once we finished that back for breakfast most of the lads would go and have a sleep yeah then we'd get up we'd go in the big gymnasium uh-huh. and we you know leave it to the the medical team to do you know a little bit of stretching, stretching and, and all that yeah you know head tennis or whatever they 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 wanted to do and then have a little bit of lunch a little sleep and then down to the training ground at about five o'clock at night for a couple of hours on the grass a bit of a football session so it was it was ball work in the afternoon kind yeah. of fitness work in the morning yeah, I always thought I always thought it was best off getting the, the hard work done as early as we possibly could. Um, and most, of, I think most of the lads embraced it and realised that if they didn't get their rest, they would struggle. So the lads would go to well, <laughs> yeah, me and Kempy would stay up a little bit later, and we, we, you'd never see lads walking around the hotel. Uh, they were they were always ready to go the next day. You wouldn't see them walking around the hotel because Tony would demand, yeah, a guarantee. <laughs> Do not go walking around this hotel, all right? You need to lie down on your bed. <laughs> you told me about <laughs> That's this. Exactly before. how it went. I promise yeah. you. Do not go. Do not go walking around. Lie down on your bed and get ready for the so, afternoon. So how hard were these these? Because they are legendary. These kind oh. of hill this hill work how hard was it Ben I mean you're probably not the best person to ask because as Tony said you cried off with your knees no, was no, it? I, I would be on the bikes it was sensible <laughs> no, wasn't no, it no well it, it, I've got to be honest you a lot of the lads found the cycling harder than the running yeah true, yes. true. So, because their legs weren't and they weren't used to cycling they would find the cycling really really difficult a lot of them well most of them would get up there in their, in their, we'd split them up we'd have the top three or four runners who would go off first 
and we'd grade the runners how yeah. we thought you know their strengths were in respect of running and endurance. Um, it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. It was a brilliant way of getting strength into the players as much as anything else. The conditioning work then obviously was afternoons and being on the grass was the evenings. But I, I really wanted to put the miles in the leg, but not only the miles in the legs, also getting those legs strong, strong enough that they wouldn't pick up injuries. And a lot of people have said to me, and, and it, you know, I can remember having or uh, taking some criticism from, from scientists and all these people saying that running up hills is no good. Running down hills is no good yeah. because then you can pick up injuries. But what we did, we had the... Uh, golf carts at the top of the hill. So once the lads had finished at the top, the golf carts they would the golf carts would take the lads down the hill. So the hills were so steep that they'd no chance of pulling muscles because they couldn't go that fast to yeah. pull the muscle anyway. So they'd get the strength in their legs. Yeah. And um, I think the doc yeah. he, he moaned and groaned about Always. it and, and said that it, this wasn't good. It was on concrete. It was this, that, and the other. Then I think one year, Ben, he went to America, didn't he, and did a thesis on it. And said, <laughs> yeah, you know, changed his tune then, didn't he? Changed his tune. Because the injury, you know, we 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 planned it that we wouldn't get... A pre-season is all about, not about results, it's about preparing the lads mentally and physically for the games on on well, when, it, when, when the season kicks off. And we didn't want injuries. We had a, a group, didn't we, Ben? Yeah. We had a smashing group of players. Um, and we wanted to keep them fit. You know, it wasn't a, a, a massive group of players. We had young kids involved in it as well. But the players who were important, it was important we kept them fit. So there was there was two um, different hills at the hotel we used to stay at. So this place in Austria, Hotel Schloss Pischlein, it was called. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, wasn't gorgeous it? place. Um, there were two different hills. One was, it was a bit longer, not so steep. So I'd say, what, about a kilometre long maybe? Yeah. Maybe a little bit longer, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then there was another one which was, oh, it was a bugger. It was it was shorter, <laughs> but it was so steep. It was brutally steep, in fact. So then on them days when I'm doing the bike on the steep hills and the, some of the other lads did bikes, oh, that was sad was so painful so i think the lads actually used to prefer the the kilometer long track that was a bit more of a slow Up drag down, wasn't yeah, it yeah 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 but yeah. we um but yeah we had we had vans to bring us back down and like i say the lads would moan about it but i think once that was done they knew the hard work was done for the day and it was like what eight o'clock half past yeah. eight or something yeah, like we that finished the, yeah. the the hard work was done for the day and then the rest of it was just the football but i've got to say honestly hand on heart it was i used to love it so much well, this I was did. what uh what seven eight years ago and yeah. obviously that was when you were kind of on your bike probably this is west brom yeah this the, is the west most brom days, yeah, yeah west brom so how hard did you find those hills in in relation to stuff you do on the bike Oh, yeah, they were they were really tough to be fair because the, we were on mountain bikes, weren't yeah. we, Tony? Yeah. So and yeah. and don't worry, they were decent mountain bikes. But when you're on a big, heavy mountain bike trying to get up a hill, like you you would go out in the <laughs> afternoons, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd, you'd bully the staff yeah. into going out. In I, the I get Gouldy and them out there, and I take them round the other side, and right, you know, it take you it take us forty minutes to get up <laughs> the top, you know, and, and uh, you know, coming back obviously was easier. But um, yeah, I used to love it. But they're not they're they're not racing bikes. No, they're not you know, the proper bikes that you, yep. you know, I was fortunate enough to, to have a bike made for me um, by Brian Rourke. And the, the, yeah, I remember you showing me, yeah. Absolutely fabulous. And you sit on it so light and the change of the gears and everything else is so much easier. You jump on these 
and tires then it's, like that. Yeah, it's it's different. It's difficult. It's more difficult. But again, we're there for that purpose, really, to make it difficult. Yeah, I remember you were the same as me, Tony. We were always the first ones into the bike shed in the morning. We would be yeah, looking for yeah, the best, ones. getting the best bikes with the most <laughs> pressure in the tires, the gears that move yeah. slightly uh, nicer. Yeah. Um, do you remember the one time when um, we we because we our hotel obviously at the top of the hill, we had to dr- go down the hill to get to the training ground, and we were just around the corner from the training ground. I think you've just gone over a curb or something like that and your entire back wheel has come out of the bike (laughs) and someone saved me (laughs) (laughs) so so i'm behind i'm behind the manager i'm behind kempy at this point and i just see the gaffer just sprawling along the floor genuinely he's gone he's absolutely stacked it i'm like what on earth is going on here some of the lads obviously bang out of order like giggling because it's the manager kind of thing (laughs) i think he nice like he could have really hurt himself here anyway i sort of pick him up have a look at the bike his whole back wheel like the quick release fully loose fully off right his back his back wheels fully came off off, hasn't it yeah i'm not saying somebody sabotaged the bike (laughs) someone that's been dropped i'm still looking for the person who did it (laughs) (laughs) who's your best bet for that (laughs) kempy <laughs> so, so with the Austrian trips, then with the the running in particular, you were obviously riding Ben. Um, let's talk about the player who who liked it, who loathed it. Well, there's there's one that stuck out for me, Tony. But what about you? Uh, James McLean yes, was just there absolutely phenomenal. On you know, I've, I've you know, I've seen some athletes and I've worked with some really really top players in respect of their you know their fitness levels. But James was just you know, I, I love James as well. Yeah. You know, he's he's a genuine yeah. lad. He's a bit scatty, but he's genuine. And, I, I, you know, I really, really took to him as a person, as an individual. Um, but he'd set off. You just couldn't believe. You know, he was leaving really good runners behind by 100 yards. Yeah, easy. Easy. He was just phenomenal. It's like he just didn't touch <coughs> the floor, wasn't it? Like his, his whole foot wouldn't touch the floor. It was just his tiptoes. Yeah. And he would just... I can, I can remember the it was at the last season, Ben, where he went. He decided to go vegan. Yeah, he did. I forgot <laughs> I about this. So oh my god! Yeah. I, di- I didn't realise he was doing this. So he decided he was going to go vegan. So we set off, and he does about <laughs> we'd always do. I think it was sixteen hills, four sets of four, and the first four he's he's absolutely murdered. Then he's come over the line. I think on the last on the last of the first the longest runs, and he's. He, I feel a bit sick. So I said, James, you don't. You don't need fitness, mate. If you don't feel very well, you know, it's the others that I'm more concerned about, not you. And he went, no, I think it's what, I, what I'm eating at the moment. So I said, what are you eating? He said, oh, I've gone vegan. I said, for goodness sake, James, when did you start? Oh, a couple of days ago. What, before pre-season? And that was James. You know, he was just, he was scatty. He, oh, he's, scat- he's at Wrexham now, he isn't he? So Wrexham, he, yeah, he's yeah. obviously at Wrexham. So the first day of training at Wrexham. So I'm all, I was always the first one in the gym, yeah. the more on the bike, yeah. exactly yeah. that. And I've gone up there and I can just hear sort of like ropes getting whacked against the floor. <laughs> I've gone in the gym and he's already in there. He's been in there easily for about 45 minutes, right? Full on sweat on. He's doing a, a like a complete like circuit or something. And I'm thinking, just same old James. We had, um, it was the boxer who came in at West Brom. Oh, oh gosh, What was yeah. his name? Oh, yeah. They, um, very, very famous. Great boxer. I can't yeah, remember. Top, I know him, yeah. boxer from the Midlands. He uh, he used to come in and he took some boxing yeah. uh, drills for the lads. And he came in one day afterwards and knocked on my door, popped in and just said to me, if James McLean wasn't a footballer, I'm telling you, he would be a top boxer. Yeah, really? He's so quick. His movement and everything else. So quick. It's frightening. 
Can I tell you a few sneaky stories about James McLean? Actually, um, so he was loving his boxing, right? He used to he used to love it, and he would go and enter like white collar boxing events. What whilst playing? Whilst playing, and even at West Brom, this was he yeah. turned in one day, right? So he was doing this, and he, a couple of us knew about it. He turned in one day, and his ha- he broke his hand. Yeah, so we, we were like, James, what are you doing, mate? And he was like, no, what do you want? I slipped over, I slipped over. And he's got like a, a, black, brood, eye. a black eye. His hands all over, his, like shredded to bits, his knuckle. And we were like, James, come on. And he, he's proper got it, but he carried on playing, obviously, sort of thing. He just had to hide it. But yeah, he proper got involved in it. He's yeah. really good at it. He, he was, seriously, for all the, the stick he got for his, you know, his political views and everything else, I don't think there's a nicer lad yeah, than true, that, that you, great you, lad. You, you could meet. Yeah. He was, he was really... Uh, yeah, top, top. Lad. And with him going to Wrexham now, because when they signed him, because he's 34 now, and I think there was, I saw a couple of comments on like social media we were talking about earlier on saying, oh, he's, he's a bit old, and I thought, no. James McLean, he'd probably he'd be playing run when him he's into, 50. Run yeah, him into the ground. He'd be playing when he's 50, Fantastic James. signing. Yeah. Absolutely easy. Um, another pre-season tour we went on, Tony, um, a Hong Kong tour. Do you remember this one? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. a washout, wasn't yeah, it? It was, it was a shambles. It was an absolute... It was the Premier League... Yeah, that was it. Um, trophy or something. Yeah, yeah Liverpool, yeah. Crystal Palace and us. And we turned up at the, the ground that we were supposed to train on and it, yeah. the, the grass was awful. It was full of water. Uh, it was most probably the worst pre-season. It was mon- monsoon season, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was monsoon season. It was most probably the worst pre-season that, that I've ever done in respect to preparation for a, for a season to start. Because what we used to do, we used to go, Ben will, ben will tell you, we used to go Austria, come back for a couple of days and fly out to America. Mm. So I'd always go the East Coast that time of year because of the humidity. So the lads then would play three games a week. Um, we'd cut back on the how hard we worked them because we knew the humidity. So we short we shortened the training, so they were doing shorter, sharper stuff. But they were struggling with obviously oxygen and humidity. So the balance of running up the hills, you know, in, in altitude, and the you know three or four, five games, six games in America in the two weeks, really was was really good grounding for the first two weeks of preseason. And we missed that yeah. because we had to go to. To Hong Kong. How, how frustrating is that when the lads have done such hard work in Austria? They've they've got that fitness levels. Everybody's fit as a fiddle, good to go. And then I think I think we got back maybe the week before the season started, yeah. Yeah. and you've had basically two weeks yeah. as a washout. Can't really do anything properly. It just gets right in the way, doesn't it? Yeah, I did. I, I'm prep, well, Ben will tell you about preparation and organisation and all. And for me, it just you know it was a money yeah money money. You know, it wasn't about football. It was about you know the Premier League, um, really working alongside their their sponsors, and getting people and getting clubs to to go places that a lot of them really don't really want to go. And is that a difficult dynamic as the manager? Because obviously you manage your team. So you, do you, you kind of you, no? Push you have back? To, yeah, you have to accept it. You know, it's part and parcel of what is the greatest league in the world, and um, you know they have to sell it and they want to sell it to different countries. And rightly so. So you you know you have to jump on and make the best of it. Um, I want to stay on West Brom for a little bit, please, Tony, if that's okay. Because I've got a um, a personal story, a fantastic story that I love. Actually, I absolutely love this one. Um, I, I I actually did. It was when I did my cruise shirt. Okay, so I did my cruise shirt. I was out for the best part of nine months, and then I got back into the team. Uh, yeah. Boaz Mile did a fantastic job, but I got back into the team, and very quickly after the first two or three games, I remember you you pulled me at training. You said you're not talking. 
enough. You're not talking enough. I can remember down on the bottom page. There you go. Yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. this, right? Yeah. So he said, you're not talking enough. And I was like, well, I am. And you went, no, you're not. You're not talking enough. And so we did the training session. And after the training session, he said, you're still not talking enough. And I was like, well, I walked off. I was, I was fuming. I was like, I, yeah. I am. I know I'm talking enough. I know I am. <laughs> the next day, training, you're not talking. Oh, my God. All right. It's getting a bit prickly now. So he said, right, tomorrow we're going to get down on this bottom pitch and we're going to get some of the young lads down and we're going to get balls into the box. We're going to go crosses, we're going to go corners, free kicks, and I want to hear you talking, yeah? You're going to have four defenders in front of you and I want to hear you talking to them and I want to hear what you say. So we're doing the session. You're not talking enough. And I'm going... (laughs) Fuck off, I am. I am. I know I am. And he went, you're not talking. So we carry on. And he goes, give me some press-ups now. <laughs> and there, I was like 35 at the time. And I was fuming, right? I was, I was like, I'm not giving you any press-ups. He went, get down and give me some press-ups now. And I went, no chance, right? And Boaz was behind the goal, right? And Boaz was just like, if he could have picked a hole in the ground and just let it sink him up, he was like going, oh, no. And Goldie. Yeah, and Goldie was there as well. Is this a stand-up at this point? Oh, it was horrible, right? But... And, but I fully thought I was in the right, genuinely, right? I fully, fully thought I was in the right, right? So uh, anyway, we kind of got to an impasse where I, I wasn't doing the press, but he was still getting his point across. So anyway, the next game, I thought, Joe, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to talk like you wouldn't believe, right? I think we ended up winning the game and I was talking to my defenders, but I played a really good game and I thought... Do you know what? I think I've played a good game because I was talking loads, right? <laughs> <laughs> genuinely. But what it does is, he used to say to me, he say, it keeps you in the game, Ben. Yeah? He says, your defenders don't need to look behind them to see where you are because they can hear you and it will keep you in the game and it keeps them in the game. It keeps them on their toes. They know what's happening. But it keeps you mentally involved as well, right? Exactly that. Concentration. It, and and yeah. that's what it was, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah. The, you must come up against this so often where you're trying, it's like banging your head against a brick wall, isn't it? You're trying to get through to players. I, I, I just think there's certain, there's certain, positions and certain areas in, in, a, in a pitch where concentration levels are so much more important than maybe other positions. Goalkeeper and two centre-halves, yeah. uh, you know, the, the spine of the team, the start of the spine of the team. You might be out of possession, but on the turnover, if you're not in the right position or you're not switched on and it, and it shows week in, week out, you know, counter-attacking football and people scoring off turnovers... It's enormous in, in, in every league, not just the Premier League, but every league. And I think, uh, and Ben would have heard me saying it to, to the centre-halves that we've played, when we're attacking, we could be at our most dangerous. And that's when you've got to be really switched on. Because if we lose the ball and we're caught, you know, I can remember against Leicester where Gareth got caught, yeah. you know, messing about with it. Vardy took it off him and scored against us. It's one of those things where it's, it's safety first because you're open because you're attacking, if there's a turnover and there's any danger, you've got to make sure you deal with it. If you don't, you you can get punished. Well, you will get punished, especially in the Premier League. So, so what do you make of... So I I, I love I used to love playing for you. I, I will honestly, I used to love playing for you because I used to know exactly what I was doing at any given moment. <laughs> I did. It was yeah, so simple. Yeah. It was black or white. Even the defence yeah. in front, they knew exactly what they were doing. You look at some of the teams in the Premier League now, like Burnley, for example, just yeah. been promoted and they're still trying to play this certain way of football. Sometimes, surely, you must watch that and just think... Wow, boys, you're going to have to simplify it a little bit. Well, I, I think, I, you know, they, they have an identity, they have a philosophy, and I think the most important thing is I hate going to football games and watching teams and I, I, I can't find an identity. I can't find what they're trying to do or what they're trying to achieve. I think when you get in the Premiership, what you have to understand, and, and Burnley's obviously he's a young manager, he's been a fantastic player. What, what they have to understand is that there, there's such a difference in levels. 
in respect of turnovers, mm. what we've just talked about. Yeah. In the Championship, you can get away with it a little bit. In the Premier League, teams will kill you. So if you give the ball away and you're open and you're stretched, they will, they will nine times out of ten, they'll get straight down your throats and either score or... What, what is that? Is that pace? Is it? Is that? I think it's everything, edge? Ben. I, th- I, th- I think it's the, the the fitness levels. Obviously, are, you know, they're fitter, stronger, yeah. bigger. But technically, you know, yeah. technically, they're 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 Bob bright. Bob. They can get those passes off, Ben, quicker and more and, and more decisive. I think than than what. Yeah, the cutting edge is incredible. The I, cutting edge is is. is I think people. I think people overlook how physically fast and fit and strong. And the, these Premier League, yeah. if you, I mean, if you look at a Premier League football nowadays, I, I promise you, so, most of them are about six foot, maybe yeah. a little bit shorter. Yeah. But their strength yeah. and their speed. It's phenomenal. It's outrageous, yeah. isn't it's it? It's phenomenal. And I, I, like I say, it, it, you know, we talk about Burnley, we talk about other clubs and other teams and everybody wants to play this expansive football now. Everybody mm. wants the goalkeeper involved. Everybody wants to do this, that and the other. It's completely different to my philosophy, my philosophy was always trying to win football matches and get the best out of the players I've got and play in that way. When I was at uh, at Stoke, we were a big, strong, physical side and we played to it. You know, we made we made it difficult to come to uh, the Bet365 Stadium. Um, clubs found it difficult because of the way we played, the way we were perceived. And at the end... We weren't as direct as what teams thought, but we played to the mm. fact that we were direct. When I went to West Brom, um, I sorry, I went to Palace. We had two wingers, Punchin and Balassi, who were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Shamak was a, a, a tremendous number ten. He could play; he was a good footballer. And Cameron Jerome was up front. You know, he, he'd chase paper bags in a you know in a windy stadium and, and keep chasing it and keep chasing it and keep chasing it. So he, he was willing. So I had to change a little bit. They were. They weren't. Uh, Cameron wasn't Crouchy or Ken Wynn or Fuller. He was a different type of player. The two wingers um, gave us that option to counter quickly. That both of them wanted to run forward. So I had to change my dynamics for the team. When I went to West Brom, Ben will tell you. Where, you know, it, it was such a mishmash that first season yeah. I took over. You know, that they had Sampras and. Uh, a bunch of players. It was very difficult. Samaras. I was just thinking, he's yeah. a tennis player, Pete. Yeah, Samaras. You know, we had people like that. They're just, And in the end, I had to work out how, how could we be strong enough to keep clean sheets and to win games. We, we weren't a great team, but going forward especially, but we were, our strength was really two centre-halves, yeah. Ben in goals, Dorse. We had, we had really good players. The great thing about West Brom, and, and I say to people, it was the hardest job really trying to find a way of playing. If you look at Morrison, Brunt, Ben, McCauley, uh, Olsen, uh, Gads, you had real good, strong characters there. What you had to do really was the, around it, you had to put things in place that mm. would enable you to win games. And we almost played with two, it was a little black winger we had. Sessignon. Uh, Sessignon, who played now and then, didn't play always. Otherwise, I'd play guards and James White, James Morrison or Brunty. They were players that, that would play inside the pitch. So we had to work a system there. And we used to drop Brown and yeah, uh, yeah. Berry, you know, off onto midfield player, onto the opponent's midfield players, let their centre-halves have it, play really tight and compact, and then break from there. So there's different, I think there's different ways and different systems you can use 
to win football matches. What I don't believe is that everybody should play the same. And I don't believe that it suits everybody to play the same. Yeah. So as a manager and as a coach, you've got to look at the strengths you've got and the weaknesses that you've got, and you've got to work towards those strengths. That's management for me. That's coaching and management. It's looking at what you've got and then, and then putting together a team that can go out, not only compete, you have to win. Is, is, would you say then that Crystal Palace stint, because I think it was only 22 or three matches or yeah. something like that, would you say that's probably your proudest sort of, I know it was only a short stint, yeah. but to win manager of the year yeah. for those 20 odd whatever games yeah. and to get, I think uh, Palace finished 11th that yeah. season, yeah. from absolutely staring down the barrel of it as yeah. well. We, we, ben, I think going, I, I took over from Ollie and Ian had had uh, problems here, there and everywhere. He, I, I don't think he was sure of his team. We had a real good Christmas. We brought in Scott Dan, yeah. Joe Ledley. Solid. Uh, yeah, uh, Hennessy. Yeah. But right down the middle of the pitch, yeah. we, we brought players in. You know, Tom Ince came as a youngster as well to give us a little bit more if we needed it up front. And so Christmas and the, the window was big for us. But we had a good balance. What what is always important for me in teams is a good balance. Mm. And like I say, the two wide players were and Shamak were our quality. The rest of the team, Ledley and, and Jedinek were fabulous protecting the two centre halves. You know, they, they they were fabulous. Two fullbacks did a good job defensively, didn't get forward that much because we didn't need them because we had two wingers, punch would play off people and go past people, and Yala was just absolutely outstanding when I went there. He'd win games for, for us by ourselves. So the balance was was as good as anything I'd work with, really. As, um, if you're a winger playing for a Tony Pugh. No, oh, no, you have to work. <laughs> Wouldn't you have to work but if you're on his side? So it, it's a genuine thing. And people, again, fans won't notice this or recognise this, but... Obviously, the, the team switches around at half-time, but if you're on Tony Pulis' side by that dugout and you're a winger, <laughs> you are not getting a moment's peace. James McLean used to say this to me all the time. He would say, oh, this first half's going to be a nightmare. I'm like, why? Because <laughs> TP's there. TP is right on my shoulder, basically, just shouting at me, go on, get up, get up. Well, I had, uh, I had Triori at Middlesbrough. Adama, Adama's yeah. fabulous. What, what a lovely... Honestly, Ben, what a lovely lad. Yeah. F absolutely fantastic. And they, he, I think he cost Middlesbrough £10 million. When I got there, he wasn't in the team. And um, I think it was our first training session or second training session. I, I can remember Kempy coming over to me and saying, have you seen that kid run? <laughs> it was just, it was like off the, off yeah. the scale. bullet. It was just unbelievable. And um, I said to Dave, I said, well, he's got to be in the team, hasn't he? And he said, yeah. So what I used to do, because Adama was very enthusiastic, lacked a little bit of self-belief and self-confidence. And so what I used to do, he used to play on my side both halves. That's it, yeah. And, you know, I, I would try and talk him through the game. I'd shout my, you know, come in horse <laughs> after the game, but I, I would try and help him in that way. And in the end, <laughs> you know, I used to cuddle him after games because he he did so well for us and he and ended up having a great move when you say helping through the game do you, do you genuinely mean sort of just tell well, him he, where he, to go when nah, and what he, he would I'll tell you what I told him I said Adama you have so much pace mm. whatever you do don't turn back so you either take him on we worked um, I took him for individual sessions after training on coming inside and using his left foot because people knew he was quick yeah. and, and cut off the outside of the pitch at times so I said, if they do that, Adama, just come in. And I don't care if you smash it wide or whatever, 
come in once or twice. That will put doubt in his mind and he'll leave that space outside. But no, generally, Ben, I would play that side for when he when we lost the ball. Yeah. And I'd ask him just to run in front of the fullback, just get in that space. Don't have to do nothing else, Adama. You just get in that space. And sometimes he'd lose it and just switch off. And I'd be on yeah. to him straight away. And he'd go, oops, here we go. And off, he, off he'd go. But um, no, he shrunk about four or five inches by the time he'd finished playing with me as well. <laughs> One thing you said about giving him a cuddle after the game, Tony. How <clears throat> important is it, obviously, as a manager to to flex your style because obviously you hear it a lot in in football about an arm around the shoulder or some players needing a carrot and a stick yeah I'd, I'd most probably be well Ben will tell you I'd most probably be really honest and too honest at times and then afterwards think oh I shouldn't have said that or shouldn't have done that you know or Kemp you'd come up and say so <laughs> can't say <laughs> that it's too blunt you know you're going to have to give him a cuddle because you know he might take that the wrong way but I think I work with and I try to have as many genuine players as I possibly could with me and, and, and genuine people I think accept a little bit of criticism and they accept it when I think it goes well for them I think if, you ke- if you're criticising and criticising and criticising and you keep knocking them and knocking them and knocking them it, you know it's like a dog it, it, they're just going to crawl in the corner and not be any use for you I think criticise then cuddle them a bit of love yeah and, and try and find the balance. And some people are different to others. You know you can have an argument and a fight with someone and he's not going to be affected by it. And others, you can you can feel there's a little bit of whether you've taken a bit of air out of their, their system and they need, you know, pumping up again. And when you bring in players, is that something that you and the team will get a gauge of before you sign them? Um, their kind of personality, their character? I, 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 when I was at Portsmouth with Milan Mandrich, he um, he said to me, uh, we did a similar job at Palace uh, at Portsmouth. We we joined Alan Ball, bless him, had, had uh, been manager before I was there. And we came in for about 20-odd games and they were, I think, second from bottom, about four or five points adrift. There was about 52 players there. So we had to talk, like, oh, sort everything out um, and then pick a team to, to keep us up. And we got good... We signed some good, again, Sean Derry, Kevin Harper, uh, Quasi, people like that, good players good who I knew and I knew I would be good with and they would be good for me. So we had them at quite a young age, brought them in and it turned it a little bit. But he, he said to me one day, what do you look for in a player? And I go, character, character and character. And he said, what about ability? I said, well, I think I can improve them within what I want to do. But the three main points... I like good people around me. Mm. I think um, I think that's probably well. In, certainly, at this moment in time in the Premier League, is probably the biggest thing about. So, take Man United for example. I don't, I don't see any of that, Tony. I really don't. No, I, I think it's very it's it's very difficult now to look at two or three teams and and say they're as good as what they were yeah. prior. Um, and I think I think. A club has to have an identity, whichever way you, you look at it, um, and it has to be led, and there has to be people taking responsibility um, to lead those players. Because Ben will tell you, players are, are the worst in the world for making excuses and looking for reasons why they're not playing well or why the team's not playing well and this, that and the other. And you need to prop them up, but you also need to make sure that they know the direction you're going in and what you want. And if you don't, if they don't perform or, or act that way, 
then I think you've got to get rid of them as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, they can turn two yeah. turns yeah. into four, four to yeah. eight. You've said, you've yeah. said yeah. it, haven't you, Ben, so many times when we've done the podcast about having just a foundation of good lads. Yeah. yeah. How, how important yeah, it is. It'll get you everywhere. And I think yeah. the everyday fan will over overlook that and go, well, no, it's the players we need, but actually they're the kind of backbone of that, yeah. that football yeah. club, aren't they? Then? Yeah. I, th I think with, with every club, I think you get to a point uh, where you, you put stability into it and you, you put good organisation and you get results. And uh, supporters will go, yeah, there's been an improvement, improvement, but they'll want more and they'll want more and they'll want more. So they'll want to force, you know, we, we're not flamboyant enough. We're not creating enough chances. We're not scoring enough chances. We're not doing this. And some managers then drift away mm. from what is really, really important. And that's when it all caves in, really. And falls the pitch because he might have signed three or four technically better players, but they're fluffy. Yeah. And when the when when the pressure's on, you know they're just not there to be seen. Fluffy. Oh, it's true. There's so many fluffy ones. Honestly, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Honestly, I remember when you signed him for West Brom, and I remember the lads were like, "Fuzzy, what's he like?" Because obviously, I worked with Tony at Stoke when I was a kid, when I was 18 years old, yeah. and um, I was like, "Oh, lads, I love him. Seriously, I, he scares the life out of me." Genuinely, <laughs> I just remember being an 18 year old kid. And I'd hear your voice down the corridors at, at the Britannia at Stoke, and I would, I would jump into a closet. I would just hide. I would do anything I could just to not see you. Honestly, I was petrified. But I was like, as I got older, I realized that that was it, it's so important to have and I was saying to the lads I was like lads this is going to be brilliant because I knew we had a good core of lads yeah. but we had a few like you say fluffy ones around the edges yeah. that would had just been allowed to get away with stuff they had they'd been allowed to get yeah. away with stuff basically and I was like you wait lads honestly you, them ones who think they can take the piss all the time no chance when he walks so, so here's a question for you then because I think we, we didn't quite answer it so earlier on when, when Tony was um, giving you grief about not talking yeah. and you played that game so when you came off the pitch that day, Ben, yeah. what, was there a conversation? Or? <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm not I at all. I, I, I think if you if you get after someone, and I used to get after Johnny as well, didn't <laughs> yeah, I? Yeah, God, yeah. yeah Who's used, Johnny, sorry? Johnny Evans. Johnny yeah, Evans, I'd, yeah. get, I'd get after Johnny. Um, I, I think with certain people, you look at them and you think, they're intelligent enough. <laughs> They'll eventually take it on board and see that maybe there is an angle there that, you know, has helped them a little bit. Yeah. And, I, I, and, and you have to accept that it, with characters and with strong characters, you are going to have that. There's going to be a little bit of bone against bone. But, you know, to get the best out of them and to, to make sure the team is in, you know, is important, which it is, you know, the team is everything. These players, they have to realise that they're so big and so important in that team that, uh, you know, as you know, Kemp used to always say to me, why do you always pick on the the biggest yeah, players yeah. and I used to always say because they're the most important for the team because everybody else looks at looks they'll look up to him playing for England look up to Johnny for playing for Ireland for playing for Manchester United yeah. Fletch was the same yeah. you know th those players they're the ones that I'd get after rather than the the younger boys yeah still learning uh, it yeah yeah all the time it's um, amazing though isn't it Ben you said about what you learn about that story then and you were 35 exactly that exactly that. 35 I, you think you know it all even as a 25 year old you probably think you know you all don't it but as a 35 year old I thought no he's wrong I know he's wrong I know I'm right I know I'm right and I wasn't but I took it in so the reason why I carried on playing probably till I'm 40 because my performance level stayed high because I would stay in yeah. game so yeah. I learned something yeah. at 35 years old a I, I, really good story about that is that when I was at Stoke the first time um, and we it was like Batsy's 
dogs on really we had all the strays coming in the icelandics were in charge yeah, yeah. and we couldn't we couldn't bring any real top young players in so we had taggart and michael dubry as center halves two great lads tags left footed honest solid head and kick everything in front of him you turn him round and he struggled like you couldn't believe it and then you had michael michael dubry who was quick powerful yeah. Again, great lad. So Michael had won a race. He'd be quite happy to get right up tight on the halfway line and people to play it behind because he'd beat anybody. He was that quick. Now, he's playing with tags. You get up on the halfway line with tags. He oh. couldn't. He didn't want space behind whatever. So we're doing a coaching session one day, and I'm saying to Michael, Mac, that side of him, Michael, so they can't play up the side view. Well, why do I want to do that? Uh, you know, I'm quick. I won that race. Yeah, but you've got Tags who's alongside you. He doesn't want to be doing that because as soon as you turn him, he's going to struggle. He wants to play in front of him. And it took me quite a few sessions to get Tags to get Michael to understand what we were trying to do. And in the end, the more I spoke to Michael about it, the more Tags got involved and Tags convinced yeah. him. That, that was the best way to play. Tags was brilliant. I was there with Tags. My, I was there with Dubry as well. Tags on, was brilliant. On, on, honestly, Tags was fabulous. Yeah. I've got some great stories about Tags. I don't know if you could tell half of them ones. <laughs> he's going <laughs> to kill me on this. So we, he, we we play at home. We get a good result at home. I can't remember who it was uh, against QPR or something like that. We, we win the game. And he says to me, Gaffer, he says, uh, my uncle's cousin's nephew's sister's coming over from America to Belfast. Is right if I have Monday off. So yeah, tags, no problems, mate. Brilliant today. Brilliant. <laughs> so off he goes. So Winnie. <laughs> yeah. Kit lady. Monday, I say to Winnie, don't get tags his kit out. He's he's not in today, he'll be in tomorrow. Tuesday arrives, tags, nowhere to be seen. <laughs> so I'm I'm livid. So I've gone out training, done my bits and pieces, come in. It was a wet day, I'll never forget it. And Winnie calls me and she says, Tom, well, Gaffer, Gaffer, come here. Tags is on the phone. She says, he's had a drink. <laughs> so, get on the phone. <laughs> he says, Gaffer, Tags. So I said, yeah, where are you? He says, you can't believe it. He says, my auntie's uncle's cousin's nephew's niece's <laughs> blinky, whatever it was, decided to stay an extra couple of days. So I can't leave him here by myself. <laughs> so he says, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this now. He says, honestly, he says, I'll be in Thursday. And he says, I'll be right as rain. So he turns up Thursday. He's all over the place. So he can't join in training. We're, we're doing shape, Ben, as we always oh, did on a Thursday. So we're doing shape. So I says to Rudgie, Rudgie, walk him round the pitch, but make sure he's looking at what we're doing because he's playing Saturday. So Rudgie walked him round the pitch about once, took him in, got him off. So I say to Rudgie, what was Tags like? He's had a good couple of days. Okay, anyway, on the Friday... He pulls me. I don't have to pull him. He pulls me. He goes, Gaffer, have you got a minute yet? He says, uh, if we lose Saturday and I don't play well, you can have my wages. He said, I won't take them. And I said, okay, no problems, Tags. And left it. I started the ump with him. Yeah, no problems, Tags. We'll do it. Best player on the pitch? Jerry Taggart. Really? Jerry. Oh, Absolutely it's so fan. good, isn't it? And he came in afterwards. <laughs> See? There we are, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And that, that was Jerry. He was, he was just absolutely you know, fantastic. I, I really, really, you know, a lot of time for him. He was a, an old fashioned, yeah. 
we 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 had the Icelandic people there, and um, it was different to Peter Coates because Peter had the the boardroom. When Peter was there, the boardroom was open; everybody would mix. The Icelandic people had a, a boardroom and then a little room for themselves that they used to go into. And after the game, I, I was never a boardroom person. I, I used to find I'd get a, a little bit nervous just in case someone said something and it was after the game and I'd flip or say something I shouldn't have said. So anyway, the one day we played at home again and had a good result. I think we won 2-0 against someone. So I went up um, and they were in their little room. So me and Kempi came in with us and we sat on this big long table. So they're chatting away. And one of the Icelandic uh, directors turned to me and said, and they had Icelandic players there. They wanted me to play, and I never played. One of them was the centre-half. So he said, uh, can I ask you, Tony, why do you keep playing Jerry Taggart? So I said, well, I think he's the best centre-half we've got. He's lucky. So I'm looking at him thinking, he's played about 550 games. He's lucky, is he? Yeah. So I go, oh, oh, yeah, what, what do you mean? He says, well, every time the ball goes in the box... Just hits him on the head. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I did all my life. So I said, yeah, I said, he's been doing that for about 550 games. <laughs> I said, thanks very much. We'll speak to you later. Were they being serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable, is pre- yeah. um, Would you say Stoke is probably the team that you kind of are best well known for? I think I, I, you spend 10 years at a football club, Ben, and I think it, you know, it, uh, it is ingrained in me in, in two respects. I really, really enjoyed the area. Yeah. I thought the people Lovely were people, yeah, they, yeah. fabulous. Um, and my relationship with Peter, yeah. um, you know, even today, you know, they played down here the other week. Um, you know, I sat with John. John Coach has now taken over. The family's just amazing. They're absolutely, um, I can't speak, highly of, of of them as individuals and collectively. Um they they're just a very, very special family. Yeah. And I, they've they've done brilliant. You know, the the you know the the firm, the Bet three six five, where Denise and John are involved in and now most most of the family with Peter there as well, um, obviously have been that that's phenomenal what they've done there. But as people, as human beings, the one thing I'll say, money has not changed that family at all. Yeah. They're just the same. They're so down to earth, um, and they're so kind. And you know, they be. You, you speak to my my family about uh, Peter and Deirdre and uh, John and Denise and all of them, and they won't have a bad word said mm. against them. They, they've been fabulous. You did a lot of charity work in Stoke as well, didn't you? Yeah, we worked. The, the, the first year I was there, Ben, I was told that there was an hospice just starting up, the Donna Louise, and we went down there and it had about three or four uh, rooms and everything else and everything else. And I, I gradually took the players down there for Christmas mm. and we did a little bit and then we got one or two of the players. We had a real good group of players there, mind. Really, really tremendous characters and people who would, again, do their own stuff for the for the hospice. And every two years then they, they decided to, to do something big to raise money. Um, we'd got into the premiership, so obviously they could use the football club, they could use the players myself to do stuff. Um, and, you know, I had wonderful experiences, you know, Kilimanjaro, mm. cycling from John O'Groach down to Land's End, you know, rowing from Tower Bridge to the Eiffel Tower, um, actually uh, cycling from Paris to La Havre, rowing across the Channel to Brighton and then walking from Brighton to, to London Bridge again. All those great, great memories for me, but fantastic for the hospice. Mm. 
And we just talked about the the uh, you know the Bet three six five and Denise. They have actually taken on and invested a lot of money in that hospice now. They don't like to tell anyone about it. They actually don't like to tell anyone about all the charity um, donations that they make, but they do. Uh, and they've uh, they've really looked after that place as well. I've got a brilliant story about um, about the the hospice. Actually, you, when we were at West Brom, Tony <coughs> took the whole team there, and um, so they're they're showing us around. And it's it's obviously it's a it's a kind of an emotional time, and yeah. we're walking around and stuff. Um, and then they they put a big video on for us, and it's. Tony basically said, right then, lads, um, time to put your hands in your pockets. Um, and he's, <laughs> he's fully sprung us on it all, yeah? He's gone, right, these uh, forms going around. Everybody's going to be donating, uh, I, I think it's a day's wage or two days' wage or something. <laughs> Everybody's going to be donating a day or two's wages. So just sign it, and then we'll just take it straight out of your bank account. <laughs> and everybody's going, what? What? <laughs> but once everybody, so everybody, everybody's happy to do it, don't get me wrong, but it's like a bit of a peer pressure thing to start with. So the first, and then it's just like, well, you've got to do it now. Yeah, that's you? brilliant. <laughs> And one thing nobody knows, and I've never said this publicly, um, but Victor, Victor Anachibi, yeah, actually, I don't know if you knew about it, no. Ben, actually put more. Oh, did he put in it? There. He added a lump of money there, and you know, I had my moments with Victor, um, but you know, what a great gesture! Yeah, that's absolutely, brilliant, absolutely isn't fantastic. It? And I'm not sure he'd want me even now to have said what I've just said, but he did. Big gentle giant, wasn't he? Vic? Yeah. Big Fabulous. gentle giant. Um, I've got. Um, we've got plenty more to talk about, by the way. And this is. Thank you so much, Tony. I've been. I, I said this to you this morning when I first got here. I said this is was one of my bucket list podcasts. Honestly, <laughs> genuinely, I'm not joking. When we first started the podcast, it was Tony yeah. Pulis. We've always wanted to get Tony Pulis yeah, on, so I'm very happy we're here. Um, I said to you earlier um, off um, off camera. I said, "Do you know who has scored the most goals for you?" in your management career. So pl a player that you've managed, yep. who has scored the most goals for you? I've got like the top, I've got the top 10 here if you want it. Go on then. Give me the, give me the top I, one. I, you I, think I, I wouldn't have a clue. I'm a better manager for, 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 for nearly 1,300 games. It's got to be a Stoke player. It's got to be. It? Stoke player, 50, 50 goals. Crouchy? Nope. Fuller? Fuller. Ricardo yeah. Fuller. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Second? Another, another Stoke player? Another Stoke player. 42 goals. This surprised me a little bit, actually. I think I know it. Liam? Nope. Lawrence? Nope. Crazy? Nope. Would John Waters be? Nope. John Waters is third. Yeah. Second, Adi Akinbaye. Oh, Adi. really? Adi Akinbaye. What a great lad he was Great as well, lad, isn't he? Oh, fabulous. Boy. Yeah. yeah. He, he fully took me under his wing. Yeah, though, Stoke. fabulous. He fully took me under his wing. You know, we, we, we had a game, just a quick one on Adi. We had a game, he, he just joined us. Um, I'd taken him from Crystal Palace on a, a loan. We were, we were, I'd taken over from Steve Cottrell. Steve had gone to Sunderland with Howard Wilkinson and then I took over. Uh, George Burley was going to get the job. Yeah. Watched them play on a Wednesday night and pulled out for the job. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, they, you know, they got no chance of staying up. Anyway, I took over um, and first we, we, we got Addy. I'd had Addy at, uh, at Gillingham, obviously. I bought him from Norwich, took him to Gillingham, which was fabulous, and then sold him for a massive profit to Bristol City. But anyway, they, this game... He ran from side to side to side of the pitch about five times, Ben. Honestly, non-stop. And the whole stand stood up. We were winning 1-0 and we were under pressure. And he just kept going from side to side. And ben will tell you what he was like. He was just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, honest it? as a day, wasn't he? Uh, honest as fantastic. a day. Fantastic. 
Um, and then we've got Carla Saba, Kenwin Jones, Sabs, yeah. Liam Lawrence, Gifton Noel Williams, yeah. Crouchy, Solomon Rondon, yeah. uh, Ryan Shawcross and Mamadi Sidibe. Yeah. Yeah. They complete the top 10. Yeah. Um, another quick one then. Um, most appearances for Tony under Pulis. Me. Which player has got the most appearances under Tony Pulis? It'd have to be a Stoke player again, would it? Yes. Ryan. Shawcross. Well yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. very, yeah. very good. Yeah. Uh, second, Rory Delap. Yeah. Third, Ricardo Fuller. Glenn Whelan. Andy Wilkinson. Wilco. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Robert Hoof and then Matthew Everington. There's one, there's one there, Glenn Whelan. Right, so we signed Glenn from um, to, to, to Sheffield Wednesday, was it Sheffield Wednesday yeah, for about five hundred grand, and a promotion year. We get promotion, and I'm looking at the team and I'm thinking, I need another midfield player. I'm not not so sure Glenn will step up to it. So we get uh, uh, oh, the lad from Wolves, uh, Oliver Jana. Oh, Oliver Jana. Yeah. Save. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we bring him in after about five or six games. Glenn gets in takes his place plays all the games the following year i'm thinking we need you know we just need that little bit more then i go out and get another midfield player i think palacios from from tottenham take him after about five or six games glenn steps up again plays and that's what he did all his life honestly and i have so much respect for him he, he most probably hates me for trying to replace him all the time but he similar to what we talked about he just went right that's the challenge Stepped it up. All the time, Ben. And as a lad, you know, if, if anybody's going to go into coaching, you know, people, you know, and, and there was people there who I think should be involved in coaching. Glenn should be one of them because his attitude and his application when he's down in the dumps yeah. is just phenomenal. That's a good, yeah. good resilience yeah. level. Oh, oh, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. There's, a player, fabulous. there's a player you mentioned there, Ben, um, Rory Delap. Oof. The throw-in. The throw-in. And you've got a funny story. Well, it's, a, it's quite a famous clip, isn't it, of uh, yeah. Bo- Boaz? Um, so obviously, we, you know Boaz. You know Boaz, yeah. Boaz at uh, West Brom. But um, I actually texted him the other day. I said, Is there any, can you remember any funny sort of Tony? And he went, oh, to be fair, we probably can't tell a lot of them. But yeah, there's a few. <laughs> anyway, he said, he said, just ask him, just ask him about, um, about the time when um, he was playing for Hull. And you're obviously Stoke manager, Rory Delap. Um, so obviously it was that time where he was in his pomp of slinging yeah, it yeah, in the box. Yeah. And um, there's a famous clip going around the internet. And I know you don't watch much of the internet, Tony, but um, the ball basically, he's run out to the corner flag almost, Boaz has, right? And the player's shutting him down and he can either put the ball out for a throw-in or he can turn around. <laughs> Kicking kick for a corner. <laughs> That's quick thinking though, isn't it? It's genius is what yeah. it is. It's yeah. genius. Because at that moment in time, genuinely, a throw-in was yeah. more of a threat yeah. with a Rory Delap throw than a corner for Stoke. City, wasn't it? Well, we knew exactly where that throwing was going and how flat it was. It was, it was just, it, it, the, the, I'm not sure if Ben was there at the time, but it, we finished training the one day and the lads are having a competition over the far pitch on the training ground, Ben. Who can throw the ball the longest? And they, they, they've, they've put 50 quid in or whatever they've done. <laughs> yeah. And Kempy's watching them. I'm doing something with Wilco or uh, Andy uh, uh, Dicko, Cal Dickinson. So I'm doing something with the two young fullbacks. And then I walk over and Kempy comes over to me and says, have you seen Rory throw the ball? <laughs> this is class. I've gone, no. Said, so said, it was Kempy who discovered yeah. him. It was Kempy. He said, oh. he said, I can't believe it. So they're all walking in. He's gone, Rory, come here. So he walks over. He said, show the gaffer. So he goes, Whoosh, and he throws her almost over the pitch. <laughs> and I'm like, Rory. 
where have you been hiding that? He said, oh, I was, he threw for his county, javelin thrower. No. Right, and okay. he's got, he's got, he's, is it ambidextrous or whatever in his Oh, it can shoulders. basically go over the so limit So he, he can actually get further than most people. <laughs> more leverage. Yeah, more leverage. So we, we, we then talk about, we don't want it looped. We just want it thrown. Yeah. And then we used to have three positions that we took up. Um, and one was one on the goalkeeper if we yeah. could get in front to stop the goalkeeper coming to collect it then we'd have a near post movement and we'd have middle of the goal coming across the penalty spot and coming across the goal goalkeeper and sorry and one round the back and we uh, people used to think oh it just happens but we used to work without doubt you did yeah we, we used to work at Stoke really really hard on that it was it was murder to face honestly and against the murder bet, against the better teams where we you know we needed to break the game up we didn't want a free flow in game especially the first couple of years in the Premier League you know every time we stopped and Rory then would be throwing it just inside our own half yeah. <laughs> all it's the players amazing. get fed up with the game you know the top players yeah. you know, oh my god here we go again <laughs> they would though they and, would. And, and, and yeah and it, it, it just broke the game up but it, again one one story about uh, Wenger who was obviously synonymous with the, with the, the, the Stoke supporters um, we're playing him in the cup we got him in the third fourth round of the FA Cup at home we've drawn him um, and Patrick Vieira and Jans Lehmann were on a, go- a coaching course with me. Uh, uh, I, I did a, um, a licence down in South Wales, and they, the two lads were there, and they were waiting for me afterwards. I'm thinking, oh, blimey, what are they going to say to Arsenal players? We've absolutely mullered them most of the times at the Britannia or Bet365 Stadium. So they wait for me, and they tell me this story, and they say it, it, it was the only time Arsene Wenger ever, ever coached defensive work was when we played you in that cup game uh, and he said he had us there for about 10 minutes quarter of an hour this is where they throw it this is what I want you to do this is what I don't want you to do you know da 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 you know the, obviously the throwing is is that's how they, they usually beat us or so we worked all on this um, and he said he was you know I'd never known him so uptight yeah 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 going in, and, in his and head we're thinking, in his head massively yeah. we're thinking it's only Stoke. <laughs> so anyway, we get there and he says, we get there and the team comes through. Rory's not playing. So he says, not only does Rory not play, but you murder us 3-1. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says, Wenger comes in afterwards. He's lost for words. <laughs> you know, usually blame, yeah, he blame, yeah, yeah, yeah. we should ban throw-ins and we should do this, that and the other. He had nowhere to go. Nothing to say. Fully <laughs> in his head. Um, do you know which team you beat the most in your career? It's good this. It's good this. So in in twenty matches against this team, you beat them fourteen times. West Brom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's West Brom. Well, Incredible. we used to, we used to, every time we started the season, whether we were in the Championship or the Premier League, and I was at Stoke, I used to go there six points. <laughs> <laughs> Probably why they hired you, wasn't it? It's so yeah. good. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And well, then next on the list, we had Fulham. Um, yeah. 23 games, you beat them nine times. Yeah. God, five games more you beat for West Brom. Uh, and then it was Reading, uh, nine wins. Palace, nine wins. Sunderland, eight wins. Um, but yeah, it, even Arsenal beat them five times. Yeah. Um, it's a good little record, that, isn't yeah. it? And, um, Very good. Ben, I think it's fair to say Tony likes the the 1-0 win. 
Oh, yeah. It's so, talk love, to me about the... I used uh, to love a one nil. <laughs> I told you. See, I told you. So I, I told these lads, that, like, I, they were trying to, like, I was trying to describe how much, like, a clean sheet meant oh. to you. We like, were howling in the office when you were... It was so funny, though. Like, I just remember, so we, I, we won one nil. I can't remember who it was. I can't remember. But um, by the by, we're, I'd had my shower and I'd come back out to the the mirror and I was just sort of brushing my teeth and you've come next to me you've got your towel on you've just done the same thing got out of the shower and you've just looked in the mirror at me while I'm brushing my teeth and gone I love a 1-0 win <laughs> I love a 1-0 win it's the best result in the world them fuckers they're going home fuming <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just pissing myself laughing brushing my teeth it was brilliant honestly you and your towel there just next to me. I was like oh this is class um, can we talk about um, the famous Serge Gnabry, please? Because <laughs> I, I need to, I'm going to back you up on this one, okay? Because the internet loves to talk about this one. The internet loves all the clips. Everybody watches him playing. Uh, week phenomenal in, player. W- phenomenal player. Week in, week out for Bayern Munich. And everybody's like, oh my God, how could Tony Pulis not see that Serge Gnabry was this sort of player? <laughs> but tell your version of events. And I promise you, I will back you up on this as well. Well, I'll start by saying that Kempy thought we had his twin brother <laughs> to start with. Um, we haven't signed Serge. Nah, so you know, I, I had a phone call from um, Boldy, Steve yeah. Bold, um, and he said, listen, we've got this young lad. We thought he was going to be a real, real top player. And he's just, he struggled. He has really struggled badly with us. Um, you know, we've done this and we've done that with him and everything else. Have you got room to take him? Just take him for a couple of months. And just, you know, make or break really for the kid. Um, because Arsene, I don't think Arsene sees him as being part of the, the club. So I said, Boldy, let me find out. So I went and uh, spoke to Jeremy and, uh, yeah, w- w- let's take a chance on him. So I think Arsenal were helping with his wages and everything else. So we take him and he turns up the first day. I think he had a silver suit on. <laughs> a, a, what was it? One of those suits and, you know, white trainers with bobbles on and this, that and the other, which... I'm thinking yeah. this is not going to suit the snazzy, last week. basically. Yeah, looking we're, a bit we're, snazzy. This is not going to suit, you know, the McLeans and the Gardners yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> and you know, or the other gang, you know. And so, anyway, training. Ben trained with him. Um, he just never, ever, ever got near. I mean, we had a good team then. Ben. Yeah, yeah. We Solid a, team. We had a workers. Really, yeah, we had a really, really good team. And to say that he was in front of Brunty or James Morrison yeah. or Fletch or whoever it was at the time is wrong. Um, he just never, it just never clicked. Um, and one in, one instance uh, sticks out massively for me, and that was uh, the reserves were playing Aston Villa, which was a big game for West Brom. Um, and I was going down to London to watch a first team game on a Monday night, and I said to Kempy with Jimmy Shan, "Yeah, go with Jimmy." Have a look at Serge, see how he does, Dave. We've not been really over-impressed with him in training. Um, and they took him off after 50 minutes. Now, I would always say to the, the person who was taking the reserves, don't ever do anything that you think suits me. Always do what, you, what your eyes see. So you see it, you believe it, you do it. Don't, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. big on that. You know, all this fluff and everything else that goes on and people have got perceptions of this. and d- Wash that away. Believe your own eyes. Jimmy took him off after 50 minutes. So I get in the next morning and I speak to Kempy and Kempy said, nah, he's just miles off it. Absolutely miles off it. Now you trained with him. What did you think? Ben? Yeah, exactly. So he, he, again, good lad, um, but just 
just didn't really do anything, did he? No. I think the talent. Do you know oh, what? He was a great. He was a great lad. There was great no, lad. There was nothing wrong with Absolutely him as a great. player. I, th- I think the talent oh, thing no, is. Lad, sorry. I think the talent thing of all of this is that people. What people don't like to mention is. So he was on a year long loan that season. It got cut, cut short in January. Basically, he went back to Arsenal in the January. He didn't play a game for Arsenal in the Premier League. He, he went back to Arsenal. So for the last six months of the season, I think he made one, maybe two EF um, like League Cup appearances, basically. But that was it. So even Arsenal could see at the time then, really. Well, I, I, I think that the, the, he had been sort of like a very, very good player when he was younger. Yeah, he obviously. won some awards, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he had some talent. There was some talent there. I actually think West Brom did him the world of good. Yeah. I think he thought he was going to step into West Brom and just... A reality check for Yeah, him. do what he was doing at Arsenal, just saunter through and my talent will get me there. Um, and it was no surprise to me when Arsenal sold him to Werder Bremen. You know, that, that people had told me he'd gone there and I thought, yeah, well... There's no way in a million years of what we've seen yeah. at, at West Brom that he could play for Arsenal. And fair play to the kid. He's had a, most probably a kick up, biggest kick up the backside that you could possibly get. Mm. Um, you know, Stepping away from Arsenal and not even playing or being part of what we were doing at West Brom and then having to go back there, still not getting the team. I think that summer, most probably, he's really cleared his mind. He's got his head on it. Then brilliant there and then got the move to... To Munich and and listen, he wasn't a bad lad and, yeah, and true that, yeah. fair play to him. I've just spoken about Glenn Whelan and saying every year he'd prove me wrong and get back in the team and I have so much respect for him. I think the same with Serge. Brilliant. He's had a great career and good luck to the boy. But yeah. at West Brom, as Kempy says, you know, we had his twin brother. <laughs> we didn't have that player who was playing for Bayern Munich. <laughs> Oh, it's good. Did we? No, that, without doubt we didn't. I think I think I, I agree with you. I think it probably is. It's it's probably hit his ego a little bit. He thought he was going to come out and just absolutely rip it off at West Brom. It doesn't work like that though. If you're going to fit into a West Brom team, especially a Tony Pulis yeah. West Brom, you're going to have to work your yeah. socks off first yeah. and foremost, yeah. and then show your skill. Yeah. And he wasn't willing to do that at that time. But I think he's probably learned that that to make a name for yourself, you have to do that, do don't that. you? No matter yeah. where you are. Yeah. yeah. Um, ben, I've got a note on here that you sent me earlier on, all it says is Craig Dawson versus Swansea, last game of the season. Ah, yes. Okay, yeah, another uh, good funny story, actually, yeah. Um, so, season, it's last game of the season. We're away at Swansea. Uh, we're 1-0 up at half-time. Um, we get beat 2-1, two, two late goals. There you go. We got yeah. beat 2 You remember everything, yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> How many games have you managed? 1,300. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, we got beat 2-1. Um, and Dawes, for the last two, had a bit of a stinker. He just sort of got turned. He lost his way. He was yeah. trying to be a bit showy off here. It's the end of the season. Um, anyway, we got into the into the changing rooms at full time. And I'm just thinking, do you know what? Every, we're, we're mid-table. We're safe as Tenth. houses. Yeah, we're safe as houses. Everybody's just going to go on holiday now and have a nice time. You absolutely unleashed on doors. You went mad at him, right? And to the point where I'm sort of sitting there thinking, maybe I should just say like, all right, Gaffer, like, relax, yeah? We're going on holiday tomorrow, yeah? Do you know what I mean? And then I thought, and then do you know what, right? You kept going at him and I thought, now I'm not going to say anything because I knew I was flying to Mallorca tomorrow, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I just didn't need the aggro. I didn't need it, right? So I thought... Nah, Dorse, you're just going to have to take this one, mate. <laughs> yeah. But you did. You went bonkers at him, didn't you? Yeah. Listen, Dorse, I think I, I, I would criticise Dorse more yeah. than anyone else. But he was always picked. Mm. I always picked him. Never played a game, I think, at West Brom. Yeah. Though, if he was fit, he played. Yeah, he did, yeah. And the career he's had, Ben, has Poof. been fabulous. Yeah. Phenomenal. A, a great, great attitude, hasn't he? Yeah. Very single-minded. Mm. You know, he had. I, could, I played him right back, and people used to go mad with me playing. But he, he would do okay 
But we, play, I can remember the one time we're playing at the Orthons and he gets the ball wide. I think you might have thrown it out and he had a touch out of his feet and he kicked it into the stand. <laughs> and I walked over and I, I must have said it loud because his two supporters started laughing. <laughs> I said to Kempy, Kempy, tell him, tell him he's got to keep the ball on the grass, <laughs> on the grass, not in the stands. <laughs> you know what, Kempy was like just... <laughs> one of them <laughs> no but it, listen I, I love Dawes yeah I thought he was fabulous is, he was and his goals Ben oh, he, he used to chip in didn't he seriously I, 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 we had what we had at West Brom we had players who were desperate to score yeah. you know people talk about Brunty's free kicks and, and guards or corners or set plays um, Moser to an extent they were very good but you still need people who are desperate to score and those yeah. you know Jonas, yeah, McCauley, Jimmy Evans, yeah, uh, Johnny Evans and Jimmy Evans, Johnny Evans and what's his name and Dawes. you know what a four five some that was. Absolutely, used to front. Yeah, I think I think we went about seven games at home. Oh, easy, yeah, easy to continuously scoring off a set. Play. I, I, it was just I, I, the crowd used to get up. I remember, I remember in a corner. Yeah. And they just used to stand. The Arsenal up. game, one of the Arsenal games in particular, we won Peter checking goal for them, and I remember. I think we won 3 0 or 3 1 in the end or something like that. But yeah. every time we got the ball from a set piece, a corner, whatever it was, when the ball was about to go in the box, we knew that it was a very good chance of scoring it. And yeah, it was it was just relentless, wasn't yeah. it? You just knew what was going to happen. But the lads had to want to score. And that 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 was absolutely vital. You know, I can remember Jonas scoring a couple at Liverpool. Oh, yeah. When we drew with Liverpool, yeah, 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 yeah. Gerard scored late on, didn't That's he? Yeah, missed, yeah. Which was a nuisance, but that was uh, two each we drew there. And, and that was another game where every time we had a set play, I thought we're going to we score, yeah. score. We were going to score. Um, and what about his, sorry, uh, another centre-back partner? Because you always say quite possibly one of the most underrated players ever is Gareth McCauley, don't you? Yeah. What yeah, Gareth, of Gareth. Gareth. And Moral Lad as well. Yeah, Gareth, brilliant, Moral, wasn't wonder, Wonderful lad. Good. He, Gareth was quick enough. Um, he was brave, brave as a lion and, and a good footballer as well. But the balance, you know, we had. I love Jonas was yeah. off his head, but he was again. He was another a proper soldier, um, top top player. When you work with him, you, you look at him. You think, yeah, he's a top player. You had him. You had those two. Obviously, Johnny was yeah. on a different level. Yeah, he, was, he had class, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Johnny was. Johnny could play anywhere. Yeah, Johnny. You know that Johnny could play. You could play him. I did play him in midfield. He moaned like a drain about it for. He'd moan about anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Play him at right back. He'd moan. We talk about Wilfred Zaha. We got Palace, the one that we beat Palace 2 0 at Palace. Yeah. Wilfred was their best player. He was the only one that you looked at and you thought he'll cause us some problems. So I stuck Johnny at right back or left back, or whatever. Never give him a kick. Yeah. And then come in afterwards, go, oh, Gaffer, I don't like playing now. You know, it kills me, you know, this, that. And, you know, oh, John, you've just kept quiet, their best player for our team. That's all you've got to worry about, yeah. mate. Do you think you just I just going back to the Dawsons and the McCauleys and the Olsons, and this I sound like an old man saying this, but they don't make them like that anymore, do they? <laughs> they don't, do they? No. But we had, you know, that like I say, you had that group of players who had been at West Brom for a long time, so that there, there was, you know, that all almost that togetherness that you needed to nurture, and the ones we brought in, Solomon. Um, what's his name, Matty Phillips. Yeah, yeah. And then you had McLean and people like that. You, it, they, they gelled well within what that group was about. And that was input. That was really important. Tony, this is absolutely world-class. Thank you. We just got a few um, sort of quick-fire questions to finish. Um, okay. I'm going to start with one of the most difficult questions you would have faced today. 
who is the favourite player that you've managed in your whole career? Oh, my goodness. The one player that you go, yeah, do you know what? I used to love that boy. That's, this is a tough one. I know this is a tough one. I got too many, Ben, honestly. If, I, 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 if you've got the different clubs, I thought Fletcher was brilliant. Yeah, at, at West Brom. At, at West Brom. I, yeah. thought, I thought Darren was absolutely fantastic. At Stoke, there was so many. Walters, uh, uh, John, Rick. You know, I could go through the team there because of the times I've had there. And then the promotion year, the people there. It just, you know, Jedinek was a great captain at, at God, Palace. Jedinek, yeah, yeah. You know, so I had him. Um, and then you go back to my Gillingham days and I had Andy Essentyler, yeah. who was a real, real soldier. Um, good player, top player, really. Now, there's too, there's too, there's too many, Ben. There's too, I couldn't pick one out. What about the best? Was there ever a manager that you managed against and you just found it difficult, whether it be tactically or you just struggled to get one over them. Was there any ever a manager you kind of really thought about? Yeah, it, it was most probably Pep when Pep took over Man City. I think Man City were, were just a step above anyone else. Mm. That um, uh, And that happened uh, with the manager, um, Pellegrini, just before Pep took over as well. I just thought it, the, 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 the thing that sticks and resonates with me um, was the 2011 Cup Final. Mm. We played Bolton on the Saturday. We won 5-0. It was a great day for us. And the next day, Man United were playing Man City and people were saying to me, which team do you want to win? And obviously, I got the greatest respect for, for uh, Sir Alex and Manchester United at the time who we were winning everything. But the team that was on the up and the team I thought would cause us most problems was City. Um, and I was really, really disappointed that City beat United. Obviously, they beat us in the final 1-0. Um, Kenwin missed a great chance, but that's by the by. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 I, I, I lived through that stepping stone with Man City. And they, they, were, they were, I found them very difficult to manage against. That was Man City when they were first giving it a real go, when oh, they kind of the Rocky yeah, Santa Rabinia, Cruz, Torre. kind of Rabinia, Torre, all oh, them guys, uh, yeah, absolutely fabulous. Would you fabulous. would you say that's probably the the proudest moment of your your managerial career, the FA Cup final? No, we lost Ben. I, I was gutted. Um, I've never watched it back. I got beat. Man City beat us in the playoffs as well in '99. Again, something that should never have happened. We were two 0 up with only about four or five minutes to go. Um, and then Dickoff gets a deflected goal. Then we let another goal in in injury time um, and get beat on penalties. Is this Gillingham? Yeah. I remember this. Yeah. I remember watching 90, this. 99. Oh, my gosh, that was yeah. That was the year that everything shone on Manchester. Yeah. Because that same year, United did the treble. Treble, of course, yeah. Nicky Weaver was in goal, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So Man City had it, I think, the luck against us and United against Bayern Munich. It's yeah. amazing those two clubs on that that same year actually were minutes away from cool. losing yeah, and completely got, different and yeah. spun around for the two clubs and the two sides. Tony, thank you. So I've got much. one more, Ben. Go on. I've got <clears> one more, and this is a question I've been dying to ask. Actually, is there one player where you've gone into a club as manager and you've maybe had a perception that they're a good player, but when you've got there, you've gone, I did not know he was that good. A player that surprised you just how good they were. <clears throat> yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, I guess, semi-answered it with Glenn Ween, a, a guess, Glenn. to a point. No, I, I, I think, I think they, because of, Ben will tell you what I am with the, with the team and everything else. What, what 
would surprise me at times was was the quality players or the so-called quality players who you managed to turn around and were prepared to do the work that I wanted yeah, as well. in the wide areas and up front. They're the ones who were the ones I'd go for. I'd always believe that my centre-halves and my defenders and the goalkeeper would be solid people. The ones that you needed to to really, really put shifts in at times were your wide players and your forwards. And I used to always think my wide players, my forwards, if I could turn them round, especially, you know, we had Pennant, who was a scallywag for, for years and years and years. We took Jermaine and Jermaine worked so hard the first year we had him, it was frightening. Matty Etherington, we took Matty from Tottenham and Matty again, you know, the, the work that Matty had put in. And when we got promoted, I had Creswell and um, uh, Liam playing wide. You know, the, the two fullbacks, what I used to do in the championship, the two fullbacks would tuck in and we'd almost play like six at times. Mm. And those two would do the work. You know, they got 15 and 14 goals for us. And, you know, the work that they did up and down, you know, it was just absolutely phenomenal. So, that, and I even, you know, Rick would even, you know, Rick had run around, um, you know, to the best of his ability and most probably the most he ever did for any other manager. But, you know, an unbelievably talented person, but was prepared to do that extra work. So they, they would be... All those players who've played wide for me or played yeah, up yeah. front, you know, I hold my hands up and say thanks very much <laughs> because without them, they, I don't think we'd have been as successful. Fantastic. Brilliant, Tony. Thank, thank you, you no so problems. much. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you very yeah. much. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Thank oh, you, man, Tony. World class. <laughs> yeah, absolutely Fantastic. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Foscast. Don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify of the Foscasts.